good singing all around this morning. Amen. Take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 16 this morning. Luke chapter 16. Wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to give you just a brief testimony where this came from this week. Got that call or that message from about Morgan and trusting the Lord and getting saved. And my mom and dad shared that she was in tears. And the thing that drove her to the place was she didn't want to go to hell. I was listening to some music and. Right after that, a song that C.T. Townsend singing came on, and, and he sings a song, and it's a victorious song, and it's just, the song goes like this, I'm not going to hell, amen, <laughs> thankful for that, I said, I can relate to that, <laughs> it's all because of what Jesus did, God put on my heart and convicted me, he said, you know, you preach about it here and there, but you've been here, this is over five years now. You haven't preached an entire message on the awful reality of hell. I thought we were hellfire and brimstone preachers, right? I said, yeah, but you know, I'm preparing First Peter. I got a new, new book series coming. I'm ready to preach through First Peter. God, I ain't. I don't want to preach on hell. He wouldn't let me go. So I don't know the message is for this morning. I want you to know this. Hell is a real place. And it's a real place where real people who don't trust Jesus Christ as their Savior will spend a real eternity. And I don't want you to go. This morning with God's help, I'm going to preach this thought on the awful reality of hell. Luke chapter 16 is where we'll be as we get here in this passage, it actually calls in this particular passage, calls it a place, a place called hell. And I know today, the day we're living, that the idea of a, of a literal place called hell, it's mocked, it's ridiculed by this world. But I want to tell you right now, I still believe the Bible. I still believe every word and I still believe it's true. And the Bible talks more about hell than it ever talked about heaven. And it calls it a real place. Today we live in a society with... All these R's, I call it rationalism. And the rationalist says this. He says, there is no God, therefore there can be no hell. Can I just tell you, I said, let God be true and every man a liar. I believe the Word of God. One guy said, well, he talks, the world's full of ridicule. And, and the idea of hell, here's what Robert Ingersoll said, the, a famous atheist. The idea of hell was born on revenge and brutality on the one side and cowardice on the other. I have no respect for any man who preaches it. I dislike the doctrine. I hate it. I despise it. I defy it. It's interesting. He still called it a doctrine. You know what a doctrine is? The teachings of the Word of God. In his own statement, he said it's real. <laughs> I say, let the Bible be true. And every man a lie. Then you got religion itself. And you got the cults. And then you got liberalists. Liberal folks all over the place, and they'll tell you this: if there, if there, there is a God, but but I'm telling you, He's a God of love, and therefore He would never or could never send anybody to hell. That's the position of the cults. That's the position of the liberals. Listen to Christian Science. They say hell is an error of the mortal mind. Listen to what the Jehovah's Witnesses say: 
They say the wicked will be annihilated. Listen to what Mormonism says. All will eventually be saved and will not suffer eternal punishment. You just get to keep trying to reincarnate, trying over and over and over. Eventually you'll get saved. Seventh-day Adventists say this. God will someday blot out all sin and sinners and establish a clean universe again. The lost will burn up like a broom sage field. That's a quote. Again, I say, what did Jesus say? What does the Bible say? Because see, the most important thing in life, friends, isn't what you think, isn't what some pope thinks, isn't what even some preacher thinks. It was what does the word of God say about this literal place that people will literally spend an eternity in? Let's take a look at it today. Luke chapter 16 is where we'll be. You know, if we're going to learn anything about hell, let's go to the, let's go to the very Savior himself, Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus... Uh, if you want to be real honest with you, the, the picture we have of Jesus today, and I thank God he is love. He loved you so much he came to save you from this place we're going to talk about today. But Jesus was really the greatest hellfire and brimstone preacher ever, ever existed. In fact, there's 162 references to hell or eternal punishment and judgment in the New Testament. Seventy of them were spoken by Jesus Christ himself. Why aren't we preaching that a little more then? I know it's not popular. Listen, I'm really not interested in growing a huge crowd. I'm interested in growing Christians. I'm interested in growing and seeing folks saved by the grace of God. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. Hell is a real place. Why do you speak so much on this subject? I just simply believe this because Jesus knew it was real. And he loved you enough that he didn't want you to go. He came to seek and save that which is lost. That's his whole purpose in coming to this earth. And this morning I'm going to preach on it for the same two reasons. Because I believe hell is real. You know the old song? Because the Bible tells me so. And I don't want anybody to go. I don't preach this out of hate. I don't preach this out of spite. If you could feel my heart. I'm so, I was so burdened down here before I started this message. I believe with all my fibers, listen to me. If you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, on this side of the grave, you will spend an eternity in this place I'm going to tell you about today. And I don't want you to go there. Our church doesn't want you to go there. And most importantly, my Savior doesn't want you to go there. Hell. And I got some good news for you. You don't have to go. The awful realities of hell. You'd stand. We'll read a few verses. Luke chapter 16. Pick up in verse number 19 this morning. The Bible says there, verse 19, there was a certain rich man. Let me just start off right off the bat by saying parable of my hind legs. You won't find any time the Bible using names or certain people when it's using a parable. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named who? Lazarus. Oh, gave a name. Which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried 
by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes. Where is he? Being in torments. Seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on us and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. I think you thought it was real, don't you? But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which pass from hence to you cannot. Notice that word, cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to, to my father's house, for I have five brethren that, that he may testify unto them, lest they come also to this place of torment. Notice what he called it. He called it a real place. By the way, one second in hell and he became a soul winner. Go tell my five brothers. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, you got preachers out there preaching the truth. Let them obey. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went up to them from the dead, then they would repent. Listen, he even got repentance right. They changed their mind. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses or the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, but one rose from the dead. If you're looking for some kind of miracle, outworking, manifestation, listen, you ain't going to get it. You need to believe God's Word and the Holy Spirit of God that convicts your heart today. That's what you try. Trust me. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. Father, we pray for the next few moments as we expound this text. Lord, as we have maybe a few moments of teaching, then followed by, Lord, some preaching that, Lord, I still don't want to do. I pray that you just, Lord, take the cares of this world, all the things that are in our mind, the distractions, and everything, Lord, that could hinder the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God on this most important subject. Lord, I pray that you'd help folks to be settled and, and mindful of others who need to hear the truth of this place, this awful reality of this place called hell today. God, have your will and way in this service, I pray. Lord, there's a message in here for each and every one of us. Lord, for those who've never trusted Christ, this is where they will spend eternity, but they don't have to. You love them so much. He came and died on a cross for their sins and was buried and rose again so that they could be saved if they would repent and believe that message. But God, this message is also for Christians. The reality that our neighbors and our friends and our families are really without Christ going to spend an eternity in this place. And we know the truth. God, help us to be soul winners now. Help us to testify now, to witness now. 
forth eternally to us. I ask this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The awful reality of hell. It's 20 after 9 to the message. Everybody settled? You good? You ain't getting out at 11.30 today. As I start to look at this passage, I want to show you we're really confronted with two people. Look with me there in verse 19. The Bible says, first, there's a certain rich man, and he lived high on the hog. And then in verse 20, it says there's a certain beggar named Lazarus. And, and, and I thought about those two people and the contrast that, that really come in those, those two people. And just to, as a way of introduction here, notice there's, a, there's really a contrast in their distribution. The Bible says one is rich. And says the other one's a beggar. So one is rich and one is poor. And, and then, then you get to verse 22, and look with me. There's a contrast there in, their, in how they died. And the Bible says, and it came to pass, the beggar died. And look what happened when he died. He was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Y'all see that? And then, then just almost in parting, or almost as, oh, oh, by the way, the rich man also died and was buried. No more statements made about that. Contrast in their deaths. And, and then there's also a contrast in their, their destinations. As you look in verse number 22, again, the Bible says, and, the, uh, and it came to pass that beggar died, was carried by the angels into, where did he go? The Bible says, Abraham's bosom. Everybody see that? But you get to verse 23, where did that rich man who died and was buried? The Bible says the next moment, he was he's in a place called hell. And he says, in hell, he lifted his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus. In his bosom. So a contrast in their the distribution. One was rich, one was poor. Contrast in, in how they died and what happened after they died. And a contrast in where they went, their destination. One is in hell, one is in Abraham's bosom. And, and, and so before we even get to the message, let's have a, just a brief Sunday school. I want you to understand this. This morning, there's a lot of debate and a lot of theologians have different ideas on what, what's going on here. And Let me just tell you what I believe thoroughly with all of my heart after studying this for years. That what is Abraham's bosom and where did this, where did this, this beggar go? And, and I believe it is the same place that Jesus called paradise. Uh, it's not heaven as we know it today. Uh, here's what I believe Abraham's bosom was. It was a temporary holding place uh, for all those uh, Old Testament saints, really even some New Testament ones. Everybody that had died in faith, that had believed what they had been revealed in God's Word to this point, uh, that, and had believed that and had trusted in faith in the Messiah that was to come, and, and everyone who died in faith before Christ actually died was buried and rose again. See, see, they couldn't go straight to the Father. You want to know why? Because their sin hadn't been paid for yet. And nothing that defileth shall enter in therein too, in talking about heaven. So there had to be a place, and the Bible calls this place Abraham's bosom. I believe it's the same place, like I said, that, that, that Jesus called paradise. You remember when he's hanging on the cross, and, and that malefactor was beside him, and, and he believed and called Jesus Lord and trusted in Christ. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today, today, he said, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. And see, See, all those that, that, that died before had, had never really understood or been able to comprehend the full gospel. And, and Jesus hadn't died. He hadn't buried yet. He hadn't rose again. He hadn't paid for the sin debts of the whole world yet. So they had to have a place where they could go until Jesus had fulfilled and paid for their sin debt. And, and then I believe during Jesus' death, during those three days, now, you don't have to believe this. I'm just telling you what I believe. And, and some believe he went to, to the literal hell side and preached to them. I don't believe that a bit. 
Amen. They said there's a great gulf between us. You couldn't go across there if you wanted to. There's no reason to go preach to them. But I believe he did go to Abraham's bosom. I believe he went there and he preached to them the gospel. He said, listen, I'm he. I'm the one you've been looking for. You had faith that was going to come. And let me tell you what it is. I did die. I was buried and I did raise again. See, it's by the gospel message that we get saved. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 1, still, I declare, Paul said, unto you the gospel. In verse 2, he says, by which you are saved. What's the message? We've got to believe to be saved. It is that Jesus died, how Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. They didn't have all that revealed in Moses' time. They didn't have all that revealed in Abraham's time. But they believed there was a Messiah coming and they believed by faith and it was accounted unto them by faith unto righteousness. They believed that there was one coming that was going to take care of it. They didn't understand it all yet. See, the Bible is a book of progressive revelation. And so later they learned it all. And I believe they learned it all when Jesus went down and said, I'm He. Let me tell you what I did do. I did die in your place. And you believed I was coming. And it's accounting to you for righteousness. And I was buried. And now I rose again. And I'm going to ascend. And you're going with me. The Bible says this. And listen to these, these verses. 1 Peter 4, 6. He said, For this cause was the gospel preached unto them that are dead. That's where I get that from. Listen to Ephesians 4 and verse 8. He says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, uh, what is it? But he that also descended first to the lower parts of the earth, he that descended in the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fulfill all things. And, and so that's what Abraham's bosom was. I believe a temporary holding place for all those had faith in the Messiah that was to come, but they, the gospel wasn't completed. Jesus hadn't shed his blood yet. He hadn't died and was buried and rose again. But now that he had, Jesus went and told him, I'm he, and I'm taking captivity captive, and you get to go with me to see the Father. Isn't that good news today? Now, they don't, they don't exist anymore. It's done. It's not needed anymore. In fact, I can't prove this, but it's interesting. Isaiah prophesied that that hell will enlarge itself. I just wonder if that great gulf that was between these two sides, the place the Bible called hell, and the place it called Abraham's bosom, I just wonder, was that dissolved and that's all just hell now? And now, to die as a Christian, Paul said to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord right now. Straight shot. Amen. Thank God. Abraham's bosom. But then there's another place, and that place isn't called Abraham's bosom. That place is called hell. And listen, when you leave this world without trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's where the Bible says you will go. You will go to this place called hell. But listen, that's not the eternal abode. It gets even worse, if it's even possible to get worse, because the Bible says that you're going to come out of there one day, and you're going to face Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment, and then, then he's going to cast all unbelievers, and everybody whose name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, he's going to cast hell and all unbelievers, and then all of them are going to live forever in the lake of fire. Hell, though, will be forever. Because it's going to forever be in the lake of fire. That's where the rich man is. That's where he is at this place. And both are horrible places. Hell and the lake of fire are. That's who I want to focus on this morning, is that rich man. I want to get a glimpse of what the Bible describes of this place called hell. I want to look at the awful realities of hell. My prayer is this, simple. If you're here today and you've not trusted Christ, that the Holy Spirit of God will tell you right now, today, repent and believe the gospel. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved right now, right here, today. 
And you won't have to go to this place. If you've already done that, you said, I, I know I'm saved, preacher. How about your neighbor? How about your family? How about your co-worker? This is where they'll spend eternity without Jesus. And he's given us the privilege and the responsibility to tell them how not to go. The awful realities of hell. Real quick, three points. We'll go to the house. Number one, I wrote this down. Hell is a place of sensation. Hell is a place of sensation. Read with me in your Bibles, verse 23. The Bible says, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And then verse 24, it says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. I just want to tip one drop and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented, he said in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime thou receivest good things. Likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he's comforted that thou art tormented. A place of sensation. Now even though this, this rich man's body was buried and even though his body's in the grave, it's obvious here that his soul, his senses are still functioning. The Bible says he can see and the Bible says there if you look at it, he can hear and he's having a conversation. He can speak and, and he certainly can feel. He said, I, he said, I just want one drop to cool my tongue. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I am, I'm just tormented in this flame and he can think. He can express himself. He, he has desires. He has needs. And let me just tell you real quick. Don't let anybody mislead you on this point, friends. Hey, we won't spend, listen, you die without Jesus. You won't spend one second in the grave. You will be for an eternity. One place or another. Without Jesus, it will be in this place called hell. With Him, it will be in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that good news? And bad news all at the same time. Listen to me. There is no such thing as soul sleep. Somebody say amen. There is no such thing as purgatory. If you're Catholic, let me just share with you this morning. Praise God. Get saved. Amen. You're not getting saved by the church and by the ordinance and keeping the sacraments. You get saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. There is no more chances, friends. Your family can't get saved and baptized for you. If you're Mormon, sorry. You won't find that in the Bible in context anyway. At the very instant of death, listen, you go straightway, straight shot, heaven or hell. Which one's it going to be? Depends on what you did with Jesus. For the saved, praise God. For those who have repented and believed the gospel, the Bible says to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. But friends, if you die without faith in the Jesus Christ, you will go to this place called hell and you will be in torment each and every day. You will be able to see, taste. You will be able to, to smell and talk. You will be able to feel. You'll be able to anguish. And you'll be in there every single day until the Lord brings you up to meet Him eyeball to eyeball. Finally, you'll acknowledge He's Lord, but it's going to be too late at the great white groom, great white groom judgment. And He's going to cast you and He's going to cast all of hell itself into the great lake of, the white, or I'm sorry, into the lake of fire for an eternity. I don't want anybody to go there. Don't go there. No do-overs. No second chances. You get saved on this side of the grave. Right now. We're not like animals. We don't die and not exist. We're not annihilated. I don't care what those other people teach. The Bible's teaching we are mortal souls who will live forever in one or two places. Ask him what he's feeling right now, this rich man. He said, I'm tormented. 
you will still experience the same sensation. Reality, number one. Hell is a place of sensation. Reality, number two. Uh, read with me this. It's a place of separation. Verse 26, the Bible says, and besides all this, look at those next two words. What's that next word? Between us, as Abraham responds back. He says, between us, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you, what can they not do? The Bible says they cannot. Neither can they pass to us that which would come from hence. You can't go either way. Your eternity settles what he's saying. You can't get there. The rich man found himself separated from all the believers, from Lazarus and from, from Father Abraham here, from Abraham. And, and there, the Bible says there was a great gulf and it says it was fixed. That literally means this, that it can never be crossed. and They will always be separate places for believers and unbelievers. And this separation is eternal. He found himself separated from everything that Lazarus enjoyed. And, and can I tell you, one of the greatest torments of hell will be there will be no party there. There will be no joy there. I want to tell you, there, there won't be wonderful things to enjoy. You'll never enjoy another sunrise. You'll never smell the fragrance of another flower. You'll never hear the innocent laughter of another child. There's not going to be anybody ever there to tell you they love you anymore. You know all the little things that make life worth living? There'll be none of those things. All the good things of life will be gone. As one person had on their church sign, hey, the party in hell's been canceled, there was a fire. Everybody today gets an idea, well, I'm going to go to hell and just party it up. Read your Bible. Ask the rich man how the party's going here. I'm tormented! Just one drop! One drop off the fingertip! Show my tongue! One drop! Tell my brothers! Isolation. And it's eternal separation. You never will hear another sermon. Never will hear another gospel song. Never will be handed another track. Listen to me. There's no churches there in hell. All there is is torment, isolation, and separation forever. And let me tell you the worst part. Besides all that that you're separated from, you'll be ever separated from the presence of God. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. He said, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel, that's the death, burial, and resurrection, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Imagine being in a place where there is no more mercy. Imagine being in a place where there is no more grace. Yeah, you're free to do what you want in this world. That's because of the long-suffering of God, but it'll end one day. Trust Him now while you can. Nothing but endless hell. Nothing but endless separation. From the One who loved you so much, He came and died for you in the first place and paid your sin debt for you. You don't have to go, friend. Reality is, that's where you'll go without Jesus. That's where our friends will go without Jesus. That's where our family will go without Jesus. 
Hey, it's where our neighbors will go without Jesus. That's where our co-workers will go without Jesus. That's where everybody you come in contact with on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis will go without Jesus. And friends, most importantly, for you, it's where you will go without Jesus. God, give us a burden. Give saved people a burden to witness. Give saved people a burden to hand out tracts. And realize the awful reality of hell. This isn't just for you if you're lost. It's for Christians. People are really going there. Do you care? Do I care? Not like we should. Just go on about life. Guilty is too. Amen. A place of separation. A place of sensation. Lastly, it's a place of suffering place of suffering. Intense suffering. Read with me again. Verse 24 and 25. You say you've read that multiple times, but I want you to get it. And he cried. That rich man, the one that's in hell, and he lifted up his eyes being in torment, and he cried, and he cried. Look up that word, it little means shrieked. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, they may dip the tip of his finger in water and pull my tongue from torment in this flame. But Abraham said, Remember. We'll get to that in a minute. Look down here at verse 28 again. This isn't one of the points, but it is a point. Amen. It's amazing how he became a soul winner as soon as he got to hell in it. He said in verse 27, Therefore I pray thee, Father, that thou wouldest send them to my father's house and tell some, go tell my family about Jesus. Don't tell them not to come here. That's what he's saying. For our five brethren, verse 28, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place. Notice he knows the place of torment. Torment literally means torture here. That's what the word means. It means a, a place of extreme pain, a, a place of extreme torture. Notice it's in the present tense. I am tormented. It didn't just happen once and it was over. It's a continual thing. Everybody with me? You don't just burn up. It's in the place you're going to endure forever and ever. Listen to what Mark said about this place. Or Jesus said it, but recorded in Mark. Mark 9:43. And if I hand offend thee, cut it off, it is better for thee to enter into life maimed and to have two hands that go to hell. Into the fire that shall never be quenched. He said, listen, it's a place of unquenchable fire. Listen to Revelation. The Bible says it's a place of misery and pain. The Bible says that the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. How long did it go? Forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night. Sounds like the party's over to me. There's going to be a place of frustration and anger as well. In Luke chapter 13, the Bible says, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourself have been thrust out, the Bible says. It was a place of sensation, of separation, of suffering. 
But I think there's one word. One word that caught my attention as much as anything in this whole passage. It's there in verse 25. This may be the greatest agony of them all. I didn't even want to scream, but read it with me. But Abraham said, son, what's that next word? Remember. The Bible tells us that those in hell have the capacity to remember. Remember. They can remember, remember the events of life. And since they're living for eternity, they're going to be forced to remember that forever. They're going to remember every sermon they ever heard preached. Hey, they're going to remember all the friends that had witnessed to them. And by the way, they're also going to remember all those so-called Christians who taught themselves Christians who never told them about Jesus too. Hello. They're going to remember. They're going to remember and the Lord convicted their heart. Drew on them, but they, they rejected God. Can I tell you, you can reject Him directly and throw your fist at God, or you can directly, you can reject Him indirectly and just say, not today. Either way, it's rejecting God. They're going to remember probably this message on this day if they were here. Can I just ask you, lost friend, what are you going to remember when you're in hell? Will you remember this service? Will you remember those who witnessed to you? Who loved you enough to come tell you the truth? What are you going to remember? Wasting your life on foolish things and condemning your own self and your own soul to hell's fire. Will you remember how much God loved you that you spurned His love? What are you going to remember in hell? Much better place to remember something. Much better place to remember this message from. It's not in a place called hell. It's in a place called heaven. And you can get there by responding to that Holy Spirit. That little thing you're feeling right now. That's the Holy Spirit of God convicting your soul. Telling you that man's preaching truth because it's right from the word of God. And he's talking to you. You need to respond to that. You can remember this is the day, the day that you swallowed your pride, you humbled yourself, and, and by repentance and faith you trusted in Jesus Christ as the payment of your sins, His death, burial, and resurrection. You can remember this is the day that you quit playing games with God. Because the games are going to end one day. But see, we're not guaranteed another day. Proverbs 27, verse 1 still says, Boast not thyself on the morrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. James 4.14 still says, Whereas you know not uh, what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? Is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. So how, how, how can I go from, from where I am, lost and undone, on my way to the devil's hell? And that's where we were all hidden without Jesus. How can I go from that preacher to, to knowing I'm on my way to heaven? Well, listen to what Jesus said. It's so easy. Jesus said this, Repent ye, and believe the gospel. You know what repent means? It means to change my mind. Change my mind. What do I need to change my mind about? Well, you need to change your mind, number one, about the fact that you're a sinner. Well, everybody's a sinner. Yeah, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But your sin and my sin is why Jesus had to come die. For the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. That's eternal separation from Jesus Christ, from a holy God. Understand that you're a sinner. Repent. Change your mind about your sin. Repent. Change your mind about yourself. 
you can't do enough good work to get there. You know, there's people all over the place, well, I think I'm going to go because, you know, I do good work. I give to charities. I give. That don't get you to heaven, friend. I'm a member of a church. I've been baptized, and I'm on the roll. None of that gets you to heaven. It's only repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't do enough good works to ever deserve heaven. Never get yourself there. Repent of that. Change your mind about yourself. You're not the Savior. Change your mind about your sin. You're a sinner lost, just like I was. Change my mind about ultimately the Savior. It's repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Neither is any name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's none other name given under heaven. The name of Jesus. Repent. Change your mind. Jesus said, repent ye and believe the gospel. I've already told you what the gospel is. That Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. So, i got to change my mind and then believe that Jesus died for me, was buried, and rose again. Yes, but that belief doesn't happen here. Belief happens here. That's why there needs to be a little conviction behind it from the Holy Spirit of God. Belief in the Bible has the idea of this. Putting your full weight and trust in. Just like I'm doing with this chair now. It's not intellectual. I know the fact. It's I believe the fact is true for me. And I put my full weight and trust in it. Repent ye, change your mind, and believe that Jesus died for you, was buried for you, and rose again for you. How, preacher? Romans 10, 9. I love it. If thou, that's you, that's me, shall confess with thy mouth, that means agree with God. Say the same thing God says, that I'm a sinner, that I'm separated from God, and that Jesus is a Savior. If I shall agree with my mouth, that's if I shall confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in my, where? Heart, not head, that God is raised him from the dead. There's the gospel. Thou shalt be saved. That's it. Isn't it simple? I know people today want to complicate the fire out of this. It's that simple. Would you turn? Change your mind and turn to God and say, I believe Jesus died for me, rose again for me, and I'm putting the full weight of my trust in Him today. And I call on Him as Savior. That's it. You can never go to this place if you would simply believe that and acknowledge that. Dear Christians, let me ask you a question. I've asked others what they would remember in hell. Let me ask you this. Who will remember you in hell? Who will remember that you're the one that cared enough to share with them the gospel? Or who will remember that you're the one who called yourself a Christian but never testified to them? What will they remember about you? You just go through your life and motions knowing I've trusted in the Lord, I'm saved, praise God, but never had a concern for another. The rich man saw the importance of being a soul winner. We need to see that importance too. Life isn't a game. And can I tell you, eternal life isn't a game either. Where will you spend your eternity? If it's in hell, what will you remember? And who will you remember? And if it's in heaven, I just wonder how many people in hell will remember us and the fact that we didn't talk to them. How will you be remembered?
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the precious word of God. And I thank you most of all, Lord, that no one, no one in this world and no one in this room, Lord, has to go to this place we read about today where this rich man went. Lord, we have to choose to go there because we choose not to believe in Jesus and what he did when he died for us and rose again. We choose to reject. We choose to not confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. You never send anybody to hell. We send ourselves. And Lord, my burden is that I don't want anybody to go. Lord, I've done the best I can and I'm, I'm nothing but human flesh to, to explain as clearly as I know how how to make sure that no one has to go to this place. But God, ultimately, this, this salvation is up to you. Would your Holy Spirit draw right now? Draw them to a point, we pray, Lord, that Lord, they'll have to make a decision this day. They can decide and choose hell, or they can decide and choose heaven. And Lord, for your dear saints that are in the room, God, would you give us a burden? Quit going through the motions of life and remember that hell is a real place that real people are going and we know the answer. God, give us a burden to, to witness, to testify, to try to soul in, to hand out tracts, to tell people about Jesus. God, I want it to be said of me. I remember him. He told me about Jesus. May that be said of all of us. Have your will and way, I pray in this invitation. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you'd stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over the room. Miss Joanne's going to play softly for a few moments. We might sing a song here in a minute. But right now she's just going to play softly. Let me ask you this question first and foremost. Christians, first to you. How many of you would say, I really haven't witnessed anybody in probably as long as I can remember. It seems like forever since I witnessed to somebody. How many of you just be honest? That's, that's me. Hands up all over me. I'm praying that God would give you a burden today to see how real this awful place called hell is. How many of you would say, Hey, a whole week's gone by. I haven't witnessed to a soul this week. Let me just be honest with that. A lot more hands there. Is it because we don't believe the hell's real? Have we become like the, the agnostics and the, and the atheists and the, the non-believers and the liberals and we don't believe in a real hell? I don't believe that's true. But we lose sight of what's most important in life. I pray that God would give you and me I'm in this too. A burden. A burden to tell people about Christ. What's really going on. This altar is open if you want to do business with God. If you're here today without Christ, if you honestly can't think of a place and time where you with a repentant heart turned and put your trust in Jesus Christ, 
where you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. Then I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about I went to church when I was a kid. I'm not talking about my grandpa was a preacher. I'm not talking about I've been baptized. I'm talking about turned and trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That right now, I'm, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you, right now, put your trust in Him. Right now, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Right now, believe in your heart that God raised you. Right now, ask Him to save you. You can do that right there where you stand. I'm going to say a prayer. Listen, it's not repeating the prayer that saves you. It's the belief in the heart. Although confession with the mouth is necessary. And I'm going to ask you right there, right where you're standing, if you don't have this settled, right now, from your heart, and you can put it in your own words, you turn to God. And you call upon His name. Pray something like this from the heart. Father God, I confess to You today that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I believe that He was buried. And that He rose again on the third day for my sin. And I'm turning to You now, Lord Jesus. I confess You as Savior. By faith, I receive the free gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, I pray. With every head still bowed, and every eye still closed, listen, I'm not calling you out. I'm not embarrassing you. I don't do that here. But if today you ask God to save you, I want to pray for you. That's it. I want to pray. I want to rejoice. And I want to pray for you. That's you. If you prayed something like that from the heart today, you put your trust in Jesus. Right now, would you slip your hands up and say, preacher, pray for me. No one's looking, not embarrassing you, not calling you out. I ask the Lord to save me today. Got my eternity saved. Anybody in the room like that today? Just slip it up, put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you. But I want to pray. Anyone like that? Dear Christian, how's your burden? You really realize people are really going to this place we described today, and we know the truth. Be busy about sharing. I'm going to just tell you, our track rack should be empty every single week when we leave this place. And you should be out by the time you come back. It don't take much to hand somebody a track. Let's be busy making a difference for eternity. But again, if you've seen one,
Because he first loved. 